Uh, hey, Garen? Nothing. Huh? What? Well, I was just gonna ask... Yo, what's up? Insight check. Deception check. Eighteen. Six. So what are you hiding? Um, here. 4d6. Were you gonna sneak attack me, dude? No, that's not it. Wait, 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 wait. Garen, were, were you rolling stats? Uh, look, I only did it a couple of times. Go wash your hands with that alchemy jug. Okay. Not with the mayonnaise this time, though. Yeah, right. I'll burn these dice. Stephen Colbert! We need you to chirp the theme song, okay? On the count of three. One, two... Garen, you ready? It's about to drop. Do it! Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me? I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah, that was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Building new characters, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How to range? That's not a category. Just keep going. Uh, I think we were here? Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kinda drab. This ain't one, it's the Character Lab. And welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we, as players, cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we are bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey guys, it's Garen. And I'm Dan, and welcome back to the lab, everybody. This week we are featuring the work of a very talented group of authors for the first, and definitely not... The last time. David Adams and Outlandish Adventure Productions have produced their own library of quality content, but this week we will just be highlighting Honor and Devotion, Traditions and Legends of the Far East. This 47-page book contains races, subclasses, feats, treasure, and even a new class, all inspired by Eastern culture. This work is so right up my alley that I spent lots of time enjoying it, even though I didn't even have to build my character this week. Yeah, quit your bragging. David and Outlandish Productions did fantastic work with this book. Now, it's presented with an in-character narration, kind of like how Wizards' official content is, uh, which sets the tone very nicely for a nice, enjoyable read. Not to mention some really stellar art in this. That's a huge drawback, actually, of our show. I mean, we can't do justice to the art that goes into this work, so we at least ask that you search out these products that we're talking about so you can get a little bit of a preview of what kind of work actually went into some of these. So our hat's off to all the creators out there that go the extra mile to make sure their product is as beautiful as their ideas. Psh, preview. Get on DMs Guild, spend a little bit of coin, get your gold pieces together, and buy them, check the art out for yourself. Now, agreed 100%, Garen, but as you mentioned, you got off easy this week, so why don't I go ahead and kick it off with my backstory that I actually worked on. All right. Nearly 400 years ago, there was a very powerful tsunami that wiped out most of the island territory Ulama. Everyone there perished, 
it was rumored that it was because of the rising in popularity of the temples of Umberly in the region by native people. For Mazu was long known as the only supreme goddess of the sea before this time. It is rumored that Mazu got enraged enough to murder the region's folk to settle the score once and for all, who ruled the sea. The regions nearby seemingly took note. Fast forward hundreds of years, in the nearby mountainous island region of Maltara, there were a devout group of pandarin, which are panda-humanoid creatures. They were all monks in a monastery at the very tip-top of the highest mountain in the region. Through the heavy mists born of the sea, the pandarin gaze out at the sea and carry out their worship in the name of Mazu. These monks, however, are highly skilled in combat, but very, very peaceful. It's almost like Tai Chi. When they spar, they do so with grace and beauty, more of a ceremonial homage to the Supreme Goddess herself, as well as a showing of discipline and service. There is one Pandarin, however, that is a descendant of many who came before him, all who possess the ability to channel the horror of that fateful day in Ulama 400 years ago in his ceremonial combat. They call him Mushi, as this was the name of his father, and the father before him, and the father before him, who all possessed the same abilities. Their eyes turn a cloudy gray and glow in ebbs and flow, much like the powerful waves of the sea that were present that day. He has more power in his strikes than the other monks around him, and he is able to dodge and resist blows that come his way, possessing the most divine resistances. Most of the time, however, he's left alone because no one wants to bring out the horrors of Mushi. Mushi is a level eight Pandaren barbarian path of the sumo with the chosen one background, which is authored by user pearls before swine on D and D beyond. And it fits quite nicely here. I set this up to be a monk, but it's actually a barbarian. <laughs> it is a super duper duper cool barbarian class, and I can't wait to show it off this week. I definitely thought from your backstory that that was going to be a monk. I mean, it was a given for me, but I'm so glad you chose the sumo. I don't recall specifics, but I know I read over that class, and it is a lot of fun. So good on you. So I've got a panda sumo, boy. Okay. Kung Fu Panda, baby. Folks, if you don't know, if you are a $20 patron of our show, every six months you get to submit a character to the lab that you prepare yourself and then we present. Last time this happened, Dan presented the character and it has been one year anniversary for Ben Potts as a $20 patron for our show. Thank you so much, Ben, for your support this past year. This has been incredible. He was in the door right from the first month that our Patreon opened. And so he is now here with his second character and I get to present him this time. And I will now read the backstory that Ben has written. The world is changing. A king, blessed by divine spirits, has assumed a throne in the city of Harbin and consolidated the feudal lords under his crown. In the midst of this societal change, a boy named Murkos was born to a poor family. It seemed that he, too, would live a life of poverty and peasantry, but one day he was visited by a spirit of the water that gave him gifts beyond that of an ordinary person. Murkos learned to use the spirit to enhance his reflexes, contain the expression of his emotions, and control his bodily functions. With this added gift, he enlisted in the king's developing military and rose through the enlisted ranks. 
Most soldiers were joined with war spirits, not water spirits. But he was able to carve out a niche for himself and attain the rank of sergeant. After doing so, his life took a couple of dramatic turns. First, his mother arranged a marriage with a woman from a wealthy family, and at the same time, the king's new general, Craven, recruited Murkost to a secret mission. He would have to travel across the known world to the city of Tiron, largely still under construction to carry out a task that would isolate him and test his loyalty. As the only man with a water spirit ever to be inducted into the army, he will play a role that no one else could. In the end, the fate of a city will depend on the choices he makes. Walking into the character lab today, we have Sergeant Murkos. He is a soldier background, level three Uruwashi fighter, level five way of the Kensai monk. And he is a sea spirit folk. And this was a perfect supplement for Ben to be using because it fits so nicely with a book that Ben has actually written and published on Amazon called The Spirit of Disloyalty. So that is Ben Potts, P-O-T-T-S, Spirit of Disloyalty on Amazon Kindle, available today. Wow, great backstory. And guys, if you do like that backstory plot hook, be sure to check out that book. He is a wonderful writer. He contributes a lot to the show in our Discord and, and other avenues, and we can attest to the quality of his work. And he's a good DM. I am currently playing in his game on Discord. But he sure does like to wax poetic, doesn't he? Not gonna let you have this one, Dan. Yeah, he waxes like a cantrip candle. This episode is brought to you by those cantrip candles, the purveyors of 100% soy candles specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures. They got a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in the fantasy world, baking cottages, overgrown forests, or this week's spotlight, sanctuary. With the notes of ginger, saffron, and incense, it exhibits the calm serenity of the disciplined monk of the Karatur. But to be honest, you can find a scent for any of your adventures in their sampler pack, which offer nine for just a great low price. Once you decide you want to buy them all, you can use our code L-A-B-R-A-T LABRAT at checkout to get 10% off your total purchase. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles. And if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Thank you, Garen and Cantrip Candles, for that message. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time this week, let me explain to you the show's format. If you don't need this explanation, feel free to skip ahead about 20 seconds. We have nine categories that we've prepared arguments for, and in each category, we'll state why the character we've built deserves a score between negative two and positive two. A positive two is felling your foe with one slash, and a negative two is falling on your own sword. Oh no! Finally, once per show, each of us will be able to force the other one to roll for the score in which they are arguing for as a charisma saving throw using the charisma score of the character that we built. And then, at the end, whoever has the most points wins the episode and goes down in history as the best character creator to ever walk the land isn't that right Garen? yes you will become a legend with today's episode all right so for melee much like a monk this guy here has an unarmed strike and he can use it four times per turn because he's got two attacks on the first strike of each one of those attacks it does a plus seven to hit plus four on the second one now it deals out 1d8 that's right, the unarmed strike die is a D8 for this class, Oof. and I have a dexterity modifier of 4, so I deal out 1D8 plus 4 bludgeoning damage, and these count as magical for the means of overcoming resistance and immunity, much like a monk. But, unlike a monk, I can rage four times per long rest, so on top of that 1D8 plus 4, I'm adding in an additional two points of damage from that rage, making this a potential of 56 Total damage per round. I'm arguing a plus two here. Okay, that is impressive, but I am a little bothered that you took a sumo, which is inherently a 
thing about power, and you made him a dex-based fighter. Oh, 100%. Barbarians get armor class based off of dex, so you gotta maximize off that. Mm, I don't feel like you're staying true to your backstory already. I'm gonna find a place to dock you a point on this one. Here's Ben's melee category, Murkos has a longsword as his Kensai weapon. Of course, Kensai monks are built around weapon use. So with two attacks, he can also spend a key point on Flurry of Blows. So that's four attacks, plus six to hit on any of those. He's got a total possible damage of 40, but he can use Action Surge as a fighter class. So that's a additional two attacks, 22 more damage. Looking at 62 possible damage. I think this is pretty close. I think at the end of the day, this is a wash. Plus two for each of us. Sounds good to me. All right, but here's range category, which I think I'm going to eke you out on this barbarian because usually monks don't have much in range, but they can make the argument for higher movement speed as range, but that's kind of useless. So Murkos actually has access to a longbow, which also has a plus six to hit with two attacks. You love longbows. Oh man, I love longbows. Such a beautiful weapon. And since it's his Kensai weapon also, he can use his bonus action to enhance the damage for a possible damage of 30 per round. Action surge bumping it up to 60 that's 150 feet short range it doesn't get much better than that ben's pushing for a plus two on this one also it's great range great damage output i'm not arguing that but i will make you roll in ranged okie dokie his character let's check that charisma if i remember correctly yup it's an eight okay so ben needs a natural 18 on this one ben i hope you trust me here we go and I rolled a six, minus one, it's a five. Ben's gonna get a plus one in ranged. And I'm gonna get a plus one in ranged. I should clarify, we are a team, we are united. Well, then I guess it's two against one, which makes sense because this is the raged category, you said? Not the rage category, the ranged category. Oh, uh, sorry, I wrote down a plus two because I get four rages. I do have a plus seven hit on a boomerang dealing out 1d4 plus four with two attacks. I have a zero written down here. I'm gonna give you the zero because of your little maneuver there. That was sneaky. All right, I'm creative. We can move right past burninating because that's not needed. We sure can. Murkos is not a magic man. So we're both going to take a minus two, I guess. Take us into control, Garen. Murkos does have some excellent tricks when it comes to control. First, the monk stuff. 40 feet movement speed and step of the wind, which of course you spend a key point to use disengage or dash. Also, you know the excellence that is stunning strike. An opponent that fails a con save is stunned until the end of my next turn. Additionally, oh. as an Urawashi fighter, Murkos has an excellent ability called tactical method. Dan, you're gonna love this. When he takes the attack action, he can forego one or both of his attacks and allow an ally to use their reaction to take an attack. Now, if you got a rogue or a melee cleric in the party, that's an excellent use of his turn, and it gives him the flexibility to control what's going on on the battlefield. He can also use a bonus action to make a full weapon attack after he does that. So he's doing pretty good for himself damage-wise. He's also moving that damage around the battlefield. He's no wizard, but this still feels like a plus one. That's going to be really tough to argue. So I'm also arguing a plus one here. And I feel like we're even here too, uh, disappointedly. So I have Danger Sense, Reckless Attack, and Feral Instinct, which of course gives you advantage on initiative rolls. But in addition to that, I have a racial trait called Panda Roll, <laughs> which as a bonus action allows me to curl up into a ball and just keep rolling around. And be adorable? That's right. Until the end of my turn, my walking speed increases by 10 feet and opportunity attacks made against me are made with disadvantage. Your roll ends early 
and you lose these benefits if you attack, cast a spell, or force a creature to make an ability check or saving throw, but still very neat little flavor there. I hadn't seen anything like that before. Great job, OAP, on that. That is beautiful to just picture. That would crack me up every time. (laughs) I also have a racial trait called Mist Vision. It allows me to see in heavily obscured environments within 60 feet as if they were only lightly obscured, and in lightly obscured environments as if they weren't obscured at all. You're not able to discern color in heavily obscured environments, only shades of gray and kind of like shadows, but still better than nothing. And finally, as a Path of the Sumo archetype trait, there's something called Rikishi, which I do believe that the author here does watch WWE because there is also a 16th level trait or 17th level trait called Yokozuna, which I appreciate. But you count as one size larger for the purposes of grappling and shoving, and when determining the weight, you can push or drag. And when raging, you can attempt to grapple or shove a creature as a bonus action during each of your turns. So this is a plus one. I feel like we're pretty evenly matched here. Yeah. You got some really nice stuff there. I love that mist vision. That is something that I feel like was very obvious for creators out there, and no one really pinpointed it until this moment. So good on you guys for that one. So I got no problem with giving you a plus one as well. We're going one for one. This is actually a really tight game. I don't know if you're able to math this one out, but... I'm going to take us into tanky. I might just take off ahead of you here. I'm already a plus two. I've got an AC of 16 with 122 hit points. This is obviously a D12 class, which is another huge advantage to using this barbarian as opposed to a monk. I also have all the rage resistances, which is very, very key here. And also, I took the martial adept feat, and one of the maneuvers I learned was parry, which allows me to reduce damage dealt by D6. Mmm. Yeah, that's that superiority die for those of you not familiar with that subclass of the fighter. It's a great feat. It allows you to get one superiority die per long rest, which is a D6, and choose two maneuvers in which you can do. It's a lot of fun to bring that in, especially when you're not strictly a fighter. Okay, I got a line for you, Dan, and this is it. You're going to get a plus one, and I'm going to get a plus two, and I'm going to tell you why. This is Murkos' bread and butter. With chainmail, a shield, and the defense fighting style, he has a 19 armor class. Better yet, if he uses an unarmed strike as part of the attack action while he's holding his longsword, he has a feature that allows him to add an additional 2 for a 21 armor class. For a level 8 character using starting equipment, that's pretty excellent. Also, he's got patient defense with a key points expenditure. He's got 86 hit points. He's got second wind from being a fighter. He's got proficiency in three saving throws, which are strength, dex, and con. He has deflect missiles and slow fall. Not many bad guys are getting a hit off on Murkos. Plus two. Yeah, so here's the thing. Unarmored movement speed of a monk is heavily dependent on you being unarmored, and so there's a huge bonus of the monk that is being missed here, and that needs to be penalized. So somewhere across the board, either in control or tankiness, we have to penalize the fact that there is armor on a monk and we're not getting any of those speed benefits on five levels of monk. So the 10 feet of movement speed, which yes, granted, Ben mentioned both the 10 feet of movement speed and having chain mail on. You're going to deduct me a whole point. Well, see, now here's here's a couple other things, though. As you approach, I believe it's ninth level, you're able to walk vertically on surfaces, on walls, uh, which also would not be able to be done if you are wearing armor. Now you got to follow the backstory, though, because... Murkos had monk abilities before he joined the army. He has now been taking fighter levels, so he's moving straight into fighter levels from now on. Oh, he's going straight fighter. Okay, well... I'll make you a deal. I get a plus two, and you get a plus one, unless you roll a strength check. You're a barbarian, and I have a problem with the fact that you made a dex-based sumo wrestler 
What's the DC? I'm going to say it's a DC 15. I rolled a 13 plus 3, so that is perfect. (laughs) All right, sorry, Ben. It was a gamble. All right, so I'll take the 1, you take the 2 on this one. So before we go into ally assist, this episode is basically brought to us by one of our allies, Ben Potts. And our message this week, guys, is really simple, and that is thank you for being such fantastic listeners. Your support has powered us through nearly two years of the D&D Character Lab, and this is the longest I've ever done any sort of side project. I don't know about you, Dan. We celebrate each and every time we get to check our metrics and see how many of you listeners are out there. So thank you so much. If you want to join us in our Patreon, as you can see, we're having a great time. If you want to write us a review, if you want to support our stuff on DMs Guild, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Listen to our outro for more information on how you can help the lab get bigger and better. But now let's talk about Sergeant Murkos and his ally assist. He's got some pretty limited options here, but they're also kind of fun. The tactical method, as I mentioned before, is a way of letting your friends get the upper hand in battle. He also has some arranger abilities in strategic defense, which is from the Urawashi fighter. If he has his navigator's tools, the party can't be slowed down by difficult terrain while traveling and can't become lost. Now, there's one more point, and it's small, but actually fairly useful, and that is using his water spirit. He can predict if the weather will change in the next hour, and if so, what it's going to change to. Now, most of these things are fairly small, but there's a few of them. So, I think a zero is fair. Sure. Sweet. That was easy. I'm also arguing a zero. I have the martial adept feat with the skill Rally, which allows you to use a bonus action to expend a superiority die to bolster the resolve of one of your companions. You choose a friendly creature, and they gain temp HP equal to the superiority die roll and your charisma modifier, which is a maximum of nine. So, I think that that is worthy of a zero. Ooh, one thing, one thing. Yeah, it's a barbarian. I'm, I know, it's a stretch. You have more. I'll take a minus one. You sure will take a minus one. But let me run through balance, because though you don't think this is a great build, I sure love it. I have a strength of 10, dex of 18, con of 14, intelligence of 8, wisdom of 10, and a charisma of 16, because he's a panda. <laughs> And I have an AC of 16, 122 hit points, so beefy. Passive perception of 10, got proficiency in athletics, intimidation, and performance. Yeah, I really think this is a plus two. That unarmed strike is a plus seven to hit with that D8 dice. Man, I love it. Okay, this is the one where I think you definitely need to take a plus one for making a dex-based sumo wrestler. Okay. I'll take it. I'm sure there's sumo wrestler aficionados out there that will talk to me about the value of being dexterous in the sumo circle. And I'm sure there's a valid point there, but let's talk real, real, real. It's about powering your opponent out of that circle. That's true. And we do have a very interactive fan base that will definitely tell you that on social media. Oh man, we're going to get so many emails. So Ben says, Murkos is pretty balanced. He's got the strength of 13, dex of 16, con of 14, intelligence of 10, wisdom of 16, and charisma of 8. So one negative there. He's got three saving throws, as I mentioned, strength, dex, and con, and your four typical skill proficiencies, two languages, all armor, all weapons, two different games he can play, land vehicles, calligrapher's tools, navigator's tools, dark vision, breathe in the air, and water, AC of 19, 86 hit points, pretty good, but not a bard, so Ben will take a plus one. Yeah, I agree. We're all right here. We have a couple of flaws. That charisma of eight would be prohibitive in in a number of role-play environments. I, I, I do feel like a lot of people say that charisma is the dump stat, I could not disagree with you more um, because how often are you rolling a charisma check or a skill based off of charisma in a, in a game? Uh, I guarantee per session it's probably two or three times. Oh, I love having good charisma. I'm with you on that. 
Speaking of good charisma, our friend Charles Ferguson wrote this week's friendly and aggressive charisma scenario, and it reads as follows. After the wizard loses a horde of skeleton minions in a battle, the party cheers her up by surprising her with a skeleton kitten for her birthday. The only problem is, the only skeleton kitty within 10 miles is at a funeral for a recently deceased noble. How do you get your hands on that kitty? Well, Garen, how does Murkos get his hands on that kitty? I assume that the skeleton kitty is a cherished pet of the deceased noble, and so it's probably being kept in the coffin Egyptian pharaoh style. So... Here's what Murkos does. A lot of assumptions here, but I'll take it. Well, you have to fill in the blanks a little bit. What is the skeleton kitty doing at the funeral? This is just my impression hearing the story. I actually thought he was playing violin. He was a very skilled musician. Kind of like Stevie Wonder, you know, child prodigy. Yes, the skeleton kitten violin playing version of Stevie Wonder. That's great and super dumb. Now shut up and let me do my argument. I use my plus six to perception to find my way to the back of the funeral parlor, and I climb up into the air ducts, using a plus six to acrobatics to wiggle my way through to the room where the wake is being held. I wait until coffee hour, and then I use slow fall to descend from the ceiling like Mission Impossible. I grab the kitty and walk out the front door crying over dead whoever it is, with the kitty stuffed under my chainmail, which with a minus one to my deception is not a very convincing pregnancy bump, but I think this is still a plus one. Oh, man. Let me state my plus one argument. I like I like the fact that you brought up coffee hour. It's, it's tempting to give you a plus one for the coffee hour reference. I'm really trying to set the scene. I, I get it. I would walk my way over to the cemetery that the funeral was being held at. I have a 40-foot walking speed, so it'd be, you know, fairly quick. It's oh, yeah, quick. real brisk walk. You're definitely going to get Still. bonus points that you can walk there quickly. <laughs> it takes a real long time. I can roll there even faster, so don't even don't even go there. Why aren't you rolling there? Minus one for well, not rolling there. Be- no, no, no. Take that minus one right back because I would use my panda roll ability once I spotted the feline in the cemetery, mimicking that of a weasel chasing a ball. We all know that cats cannot resist these toys. And so once it tries to chase me, I would rage and use a bonus action to grapple the thing and automatically succeed given the fact that it's a small creature and I can grapple up to a large creature. I would then stuff it in my backpack and head on over to the wizard with her new skeletal pet. I think it's a plus one. Okay, I think it's a zero because you actually raged during Smooth Operator and you said you stuffed it into the bag. Oh, rage is just intense focus. It's it's kind of aggressive. To grapple something? That sleight of hand, plus four. Oh, you didn't say sleight of hand. I'm grabbing it. Grappling, grabbing, sleight of handing. Grappling and grappling? Stealthing. I'm throwing spaghetti at the wall. Any of it sticking? Plus one. Ones and ones. All right, but show me something here on this being... An angry attempt. I'm referencing my background feature, which allows me to tell fortunes to people, and they believe me since they figure that I have a direct line to the goddess Mazu herself. So I would tell her to be patient and that the kitty would arrive within a week. However, if she were to ask about or even think about the kitty before then, Mazu would terrorize the town with a tsunami, and uh, she would definitely forget about that kitty after not thinking about it for a week, so I'm arguing zero. <laughs> wait, you don't actually get her the kitty? You just tell her to no. wait a week? It's 10 miles away. We're not, no, we're not doing that. You just lost a whole horde of skeleton minions. You just lost a whole bunch of them. Why would I give you a skeleton kitty to cheer you up? You showed that you're just completely irresponsible. Wow. That's tough love. That's aggression. You went full dad on her. Disappointed in you. I can give you a zero for that. 
Solid reasoning. I am also using my background. I would use my military rank to gain entrance to the funeral and ask if I can say something. I start a filibuster. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So they, they stop you at the door these days at the cemeteries? I'm oh, sorry. What, what's, your, what's your military rank? Hold on. Well, no, they say this is a private funeral, and I say, I'm a sergeant in the army. You need to let me in. If someone did that at my grandfather's funeral, I would say, no, you're still not coming here. <laughs> and then he just flashes the badge and walks past you. Fair enough. So I start to filibuster my eulogy, he which with an eight charisma is not very convincing or fun to listen to. But with a plus five to constitution saves, I can avoid exhaustion as I go on for hours. If anyone tries to stop me, I use my plus two to intimidation. Then tell him, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Then when the whole crowd is worn out from listening to me, I state that I'll carry the casket out by myself. I got it. And using my 13 strength, that's really kind of hard to do. So I start dragging it and bumping it and scraping it down the aisle. If anyone tries to help, I use my party's robe, which has been disguised as a cleric this whole time. And with my tactical method, they use their reaction to sneak attack that person in the back of the neck with a karate chop that I taught them. Because there's been like a whole week of prep going into this that we handled in a montage. Plus two. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a plus two because A, you're using a rogue that no one knows exists. Exactly. B, That's what makes it a sneak attack. Also, you got real clumsy when you tried to get in the mix. You're just dragging and bumping stuff. All you did was just not do something well. Okay, real talk. I started writing this argument and then I checked Murkoff's strength and I saw that it was only a 13 and I was like, well, I've committed to carrying the <laughs> casket out, so I need to justify that. Screw it. It's creative. I like it. Plus two. Okay, so we are at the X Factor, where we talk about what we feel about these characters and if we'd play them. Ben prepared this character, and I think this would be a really fun martial class to play. I like the sea spirit folk. I mean, spirit folk are really in my jam. I love fae stuff, and this feels kind of fae just in the world that Outlandish Adventure Productions have created with their book. I also love the Uruwashi fighter archetype it gets some really fun features at later levels at seventh level you get a improvement to your tactical method where you can allow the target ally to move half of its move speed and it can do so before and after it uses its reaction and it can even do it if it doesn't choose to use the reaction also at 10th level you get earth's wisdom where you become wise enough to realize that attacking is not the only way to gain tactical advantage. When you choose a creature with your tactical method, it can use its reaction to take disengage, hide, or search action instead of making a weapon attack. Additionally, when you forgo at least one of your attacks with your tactical method, you can use your bonus action this turn to take the help action instead. So this is really a subtle and nuanced fighter. I mean, they took something really gritty, real chop-chop, and they are balancing it out to make it really smart and feel like a commander on the battlefield. So I really enjoy that. This is a fun build, and this is a super fun book. So yes, I'm down with Sergeant Murkos. How about you, Dan? Couldn't agree more, and great job on the build, Ben. Also, I wanted to touch on this Path of the Sumo. A lot of fun. I have not actually seen a barbarian take on a monk. I'm sure that others exist, so don't tweet at us and say that you know we should check out another one and that i completely missed this whole movement of you know what just don't tweet at us yeah just don't tweet at us do us a favor leave us alone stop tweeting at us so much will you we are buried under a deluge of praise and constructive criticism. Just overall feedback. Honestly, I, I do really like this. I like the fact that we got uh, the overcoming uh, resistances and immunities. We took that from the monk. But also, it is nicely balanced because, you know, it's a D12 class. You've got the rage, but it's balanced because, like you showed in your level 5 monk build that was uh, featured this week, the monk is very tanky. 
and it has a lot of ways to dodge out of the way for damage, and at level 7 it gets evasion like the rogue does, so you don't get any of that in mm-hmm. the Barbarian, so there's a lot of nice balance there. And also, this supplement features something, an original class, which was not featured in today's show, but let me touch on it just briefly. I see this class, it's called the Yojimbo. I can see this being a really great class for role play opportunities because it's all about spiritual balance and it's all about connecting your spirit to who you serve. It's a martial class that has these different uh, stances that it can take uh, in this spiritual balance and then there's also these things called balance points which you can use to do uh, certain abilities. So it's just a whole lot of fun and, and really get in there and check it out. This is a great supplement, definitely worth picking up. I know we say it every week, but add this to your wish list. Oh my gosh, dudes and dudettes, Deuteronomies, Honor and Devotion is available on DMs Guild for $14.95. It's already a silver bestseller. The real value of this product comes in its ability to not only give a whole party new characters to build a cohesive group, but there's enough in here for a DM to start creating a campaign inspired by this world. I mean, this is a one-stop purchase for your next Eastern-themed game. That's right, guys. And just like I did this week, you can use the other supplements that we featured throughout our time on this show. I used both Gods and Goddesses as well as Face of the Forgotten Realms, which are frequently featured here, but not only because they have great mechanics in them, but because they have awesome lore about Gods and Goddesses. And as we touched on in our Gods and Goddesses episode, you can really build up a backstory and give your character some direction on how they would act. So this is just another great supplement to build on the other great supplements that we featured here. And David Adams and Outlandish Productions have a slew of other products available that you can just add to the stack, and they're all available on DMs Guild. And if you're curious, just stay tuned because this is only the first time that we have featured one of their works. So Dan, I can tell you enjoyed Honor and Devotion, and I'm glad for that. This is a great book. Unfortunately, Ben Potts has wrecked you. 8 to 5 in this episode, so congratulations, Ben. I believe he's undefeated in the lab. Obviously, there are not enough episodes in this show to highlight all of the great community content out there, so we urge you to get out there and find the stuff that speaks to you. A lot of writers are working on their own foothold in this vast world, and your support helps them grow. And we are so fortunate to get to share the professional content that we do on this show. It is awesome that we get to read this stuff and get to present it to you and to build these characters and all that being said next week we are going way off the reservation with a much requested return to D wiki while this site has some great content there's also a lot of bananas garbage and we have found bunches of banana trash for you guys and can't wait to present it <laughs> rotten bananas folks and we're not making banana bread we're making straight up trash bread gird your loins then remember when it comes to character creation doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Have a great week, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Lab, and all episodes for that matter. Yeah, but if you left this episode just wanting more, you can join us on Patreon for tons of bonus content. At our lowest tier, you can join our Discord and participate in fan battles and have access to all PDF content that we post. You can even chat with us throughout the day. For just a little bit more, you get two bonus episodes a month and access to the entire backlog of Fight Clubs, Monster Labs, and special interviews that we've been pumping out since March of 2018. Patrons in the next tier get early access to our regular show, sometimes as much as nine days prior to release date. They also get PDFs of the character sheets for the characters that we've built in the 2019 episodes and beyond, and they can submit a smooth operator or spitting fire charisma scenario that we will use in each and every episode. And our top, top tier patrons get merch a couple times a year, have a chance to submit characters, and can sway the fates with automatic crits and fails on our charisma rolls during the show. At any level, we hope to bring you more fun. We love working on this show and the support 
support of our patrons helps continue to make it better. If you're digging the new audio production that began in 2019, just know that it wouldn't be possible without those that already donate. And we have more plans to beef up the lab, and we need your help to do it. But however you support us, we thank you. We hope to have you back next week. Head over to our Facebook and Twitter at DD Character Lab for some previews of what to expect and lots of links to other great community content. Until Wednesday, peace, love, and point by. Well, speaking of good charisma, our friend Child. Wow. Our friend- <laughs> Child's first. Ferguson. <laughs> hey, Child's. Um, <laughs> He's 23. He's no child. <laughs> you also probably didn't graduate from school. I don't know which school. You just didn't graduate. Those schools Thank that you, teach Garrett. the word like cantrip. That's right.